Welcome to the Next Step Business Podcast. I'm Bob Camp, your host. For each podcast, I'm inviting successful business leaders to discuss strategy, execution, high-performing teams, innovation, and more. Join us to learn more about getting the business you want and living life on your terms. Hey, everyone, and welcome Nathaniel Morris today. Nathaniel is a strategic technical advisor to the C-suite, whether he's working with executives, coaching them with regards to leadership. But I love his tagline, but it's unlocking business by elevating IT organizations through aligning people, process, products, and partners. Nathaniel, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you. And before we get into talking about some of the things, the insights you have and what you do, I'd like to know more about how did you get to where you are today? Absolutely. My interest in computers started because of my uncle. He was an instructor in the public school system and worked with computers and computer science. And I began to break things and have him help me understand how to fix them. And from there, as stepped into a career, really stepped into the e-commerce side in the late 90s as we started working with the intersection of technology and retail in a real meaningful way. And so I spent several years working with e-commerce technologies, helping bring the technology to the forefront at the end consumer use. And along the way, I found out that it was extremely important to never stop learning. And I just continued to learn in every discipline, whether it be technical or business. I love to understand how businesses operate, how the technologies operate, and then, of course, how they intersect together. And then as I continued on my journey, the conversation of leadership and how you continue to grow as an individual to help others grow as well. And it has been a very fun journey to unlock and understand more about myself and how I need to improve and then also how to share that with others as they go about trying to accomplish what they want to do in their organizations or personally. So you used breaking and helping getting things fixed. I want to bring that up for a moment because part of what you're doing is sometimes it's not just it's breaking down, but sometimes it is how do you break a mindset? How do you break a, this is the way we've always done it, break a viewpoint or a bias that's holding organizations back when they're starting to look at changing world? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times you're right. There's a bias or there's something that is caught where we've always done something the same way. And so it's hard to see outside of those blinders at times. One of the things that I began to discover is very helpful and I try to practice often is inverting the conversation, right? So how do we flip and come at it from the other perspective? I worked with an engineer who loved to break things down into halves. And so they would take one half of a problem and not try and solve the whole problem, but just one half of the equation. And I really liked that approach and taking a component and then inverting the conversation and saying, okay, let's look at it from a different perspective. Maybe it's if we didn't have any constraints, if we're starting over, what would we do? Or if we didn't have a fear of the outcome. So let's name the outcome. What is truly we're afraid of? What is the worst case? And then let's talk about that. And that can often help get out of the mindset of looking at it the same way with those blinders on and help an organization grow. And it's very hard right now, Bob, because technology is evolving so quickly that what you did 10 years ago as a best practice is now not only out of date, but perhaps wrong. And that really is a challenge for people to keep up with and to understand 
just because it's worked before doesn't mean we can continue using it. And there's something that we need to be doing differently as the organization or as the technology has changed. Is that part of the thinking that comes to mind when you said that is sometimes we build we, we build a platform and in building a platform it was right for what we were doing then but it's no longer right for what we're doing now maybe the executives who have been there for a long time who were the ones who were invested in it it's really hard for them to change their ownership of a decision that they made three four five ten years ago absolutely and a lot of times the conversations turn into a discussion around allowing them to reconcile the fact that they made the right decision with the data they had at the time or with the environment that they had at the time, maybe the technology or the business maturity or whatever it may be. It's not that the decision was a bad decision then. You have to put time in the context of the decision. So that was the right decision 10 years ago. It's not the right decision for today. No differently than you wouldn't have a toddler drive a car, right? It was the wrong decision to put them behind the wheel when they were six. It's the right decision at 16. And so helping them understand that trade-off and that change is very important. And just walking through that conversation to help them realize that either the technology, in some cases, they wrote or they were a key part of was right, but it's no longer what is fitting. So how do you approach an organization today? I love the old Covey phrase, right? Begin with the end in mind. And so I start with the end goal, which is the business or the organizational outcome. So whether it be a nonprofit, whether it be a business, whether it be healthcare, retail, whatever the segment, the conversation starts with what are we trying to accomplish as an organization today? Not what we were trying to accomplish five years or ten years ago, but what are we trying to accomplish and really understand that because that's the head that everything kind of flows from. And then from there, we begin to assess, all right, if that's what we want to be, how far off are we? Are we aligned? Are we not aligned? And then what would need to be true for us to be aligned if we're not? And of course, normally when I come in, there's a gap or there's a future we want to get to that's not currently where we are, right? And so what would need to be true? And then we began to break those things down. We need better efficiency in our operations. We need faster manufacturing. We need whatever better data, whatever the technical problem ultimately comes into that would need to be true to align to the business goal. And then we began to look at the nuts and bolts, if you will, of the technical to say, okay, now what's the gap? We know what we need to get to, and we know the components. Now let's start looking at what do we have, assets, what would we need to acquire, what would we need to change from a really nuts and bolts perspective, and then we can begin to create a plan. In parallel, the conversation is not just about the technology, but it's also about the people. So what people, what skills do we have? What skills are we missing? Where do we need either growth in a particular technical skill, growth in leadership, and look at the full picture. And then we can create a roadmap to begin to work with the executive team to say, okay, here's where we need to invest our dollars. Maybe here is where we're over-investing, and let's begin to align to what you want to get to. And that creates the roadmap that allows us to create a future that we are trying to accomplish. Keyword there was outcome, and then you brought in all the other pieces, alignment, and, and making sure everybody's on the same page. The outcome is often secondary to how most people approach it. They start looking at, here's my current pain, or this I see this opportunity. 
without really defining the outcome and whether it's how you're going to better serve your customer, which ultimately is the ultimate outcome, it's increased revenues, increased profitability, but then it's all the other pieces that you need to tie in behind it. You talked about e-commerce, but this also applies for someone who has manufacturing who now needs to take a look at how do they need to operate in a world today that is different. Absolutely. The technology that used to be relegated to large organizations or big budgets is now becoming available to the smallest entrepreneur who's a one-person operation and beginning to say, hey, I need this additional capabilities and skill. And that's true in automation, that's true in finance, that's true in every component, sales, CRM, all of the big names are available. And it's about how do we deploy them appropriately, how do we scale them appropriately, and the organizations who take advantage of those things. I look at, for example, a lawn care organization that I've interacted with, they're better because they're taking advantage of some of these simple CRM tools and those type of things. And it's making my experience better as a consumer. And you wouldn't think, okay, they're out there with lawnmowers and weed eaters that technology is anywhere associated. But it is. Every business is being changed by technology. And those that are at the forefront of that are going to see the benefits that they're going to reap. So that's a great question because it's so available to everyone. From your perspective, how would you approach someone who's trying to decide which way do I go? Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to come down at, to the level of maturity of the organization, right? So when you're initially starting out, the conversation is going to be about bootstrapping. It's going to be about saying, what are the two or three components that I can have that maybe are going to do 80% of the job? may not be 100%, but they're going to deliver 80%. And that's going to put you ahead of your segment in the market and getting to that goal. But then as you hit the next tier of business scaling, you will say, now we might need not two or three tools, maybe it's four or five tools that are gonna help us improve some of these other areas. And there's foundations that your financial tools should absolutely be digital, allowing you to take payments and transactions wherever the customer is. That's a number one thing for an entrepreneur, especially interacting direct with consumer. Like, where are we gonna manage our money and how? And even in a high cash operation, you still want that tracking and that capability. And then you're just gonna kind of boil it down from there. What are the other components that we need? And then as an organization scales, you start to say, all right, what are those next year? And you will do some upgrades along the way where you'll say that tool worked for us as a small business. Now that we're a medium business, it doesn't work so well. And you'll grow through that evolution. But I believe every entrepreneur should be looking at the conversation of how am I leveraging technology to improve my business from a customer experience perspective, an employee experience perspective, and from a automation efficiency perspective. And if you answer those questions, it's not about which technology logo I chose, it's about how it's impacting my business. And when you approach it that way and say, how is this impacting my customer? How is this impacting my employee? How is this helping me be more efficient? Then you can make the right choices, the right decisions that are gonna scale with you. An organization that says, hey, we're gonna do it kinda old school, will survive for another decade and be able to continue to work. But those businesses are going to get beat in the market over the coming five to 10 years because it, the technology is pervasive and it's simple. And that's a really important point is that oftentimes we get focused on today and how do we make our numbers for this month, this quarter, whatever it is. We have to look out to the future and really understand 
from a business model, from an from a an ecosystem in that we play in, you know, we have to be able to think about where it's going to be. Going back to what you said before, how do you flip to the other side? Mm-hmm. How do you help guide them through that to get them really in to think three, four, five years out? Yeah. It varies. There's a couple of common roadblocks that you're going to run into in that conversation. One is elevating the horizon, which is what we're talking about, moving from the now to the later, right? And those questions are more centered on, let's talk about what the future needs to look like for this business. What are the threats on the horizon? Where do you see the marketplace going? Because an executive in an organization has experience. They have understanding of their market, their segment. So they should have an understanding of what's happening in the marketplace. And sometimes it's just backing up and saying, let's take the pressure off of today. We've got to create some dedicated focus time usually for that to happen. But let's really talk about where do you see this industry going? Where do you see this market going? And begin to understand where it's moving. And then as you walk them down that journey, the conversation of, is this organization going to be ready to meet the market at that point and bringing the experience in of saying here's where consumers are going let's look at the broader macro trends in the economy one of the greatest illustrations that i look at in that segment is previously 20 years ago the most advanced technology that an individual used was in their workplace they went into work and that was the most sophisticated computer system it was the most sophisticated experience with technology today it's in their hands The workers of today that are coming out of college have been using the most advanced technology available in the palm of their hands for 10 years. And so for that conversation of being able to help an executive see a different perspective, flipping the discussion and saying, okay, from an employee perspective, from a consumer perspective, where's it going to be in five years? Let's look at how the cell phone's gone over five years. What's the next five going to be? And how's that going to disrupt your industry? How's that going to disrupt your marketplace? And it's really about being intentional about digging those conversations out and helping see the conclusion. And then for the transformation internally, when you start saying, how do we bring it to the employees? It's all about the why. Why are we doing this? Why is this change happening? And what does it mean for me? There's two conversations that are always in an employee's mind, right? Why do we have to, and what do I have to do differently, right? What does it mean to me, and why are we doing it? Those two questions are constantly in an employee's mind, and it speaks to the three levels of clarity that an employee is after in their job. And so those two questions have to be answered by the executive team as you go forward, and it's not just we want to be better. Specifically, this will let us serve a customer. This will help us on Black Friday when we're swamped to be able to process faster. This will help you have less errors in the transaction. This will help you be able to serve the customer with less clicks. If you have those conversations and really get into the discussion, then you're able to begin to create change. But change is about conversations. Change is not about mandates and broad blast communication. It's all about creating conversations that allow you to begin to help people reason through it. That's what they're after. They want to have the clarity of reasoning through it and understanding it as you go forward. So at the executive level, we start changing the frame of mind by changing the context and beginning to dig in. At the organizational change, it's all about context conversations. Yeah, that's a really important point. Having been involved in ERP implementations in the past, there's one of the key elements was as we said earlier, 
knowing what changes, what doesn't change, and you know, what's best in class today isn't going to be best in class tomorrow, or what was best in class just a couple of years ago isn't now. But one of the biggest pieces was educating, having the conversations, making sure everyone knows what's in it for me, and why are we doing this, and how is this going to help us, how does it protect my, my job? How does it protect my livelihood? All those factors, or how does it make my life easier? But the conversation is such a critical part that is often overlooked. So even within when you're doing the alignment with, within executive teams, it's the conversation that really makes it happen. And those conversations, oftentimes what I've found, the executive team is so comfortable working together, they work together for so long, they fall into habits. And so certain people talk about certain topics and other people will just say, that individual has it covered, I don't have to think about it. And so when you get into these change conversations in the executive, it's really powerful to have a facilitator, someone that can begin to ask the questions and help the executive team begin to focus on it. Because just like a coach in a sporting conversation, the coach isn't sitting there saying, I'm the best in the world at this job. But what the coach does is they have eyes so that they can observe and they can ask questions and they can begin to say, hey, this technique or this approach, if you adjust this, here's how it can improve what you're after. And so that facilitator, that coach, that experience to be able to pull those conversations together is very powerful in a focused discussion with an executive team. And that's where you see the light bulbs go off. That's where you see the conversation begin to go, oh, and then it begins to roll the correct direction. Yeah, because one of those elements of being that facilitator is sometimes you're hearing people say, use different words meaning the same thing, and vice versa, using the same words meaning something different. Really uh, critical that that gets pulled out and the conversation gets to what the real meaning is, and they're on the same page. I like to say I sit on a bridge between two different cultures a little bit, the business culture and the technology culture. So it... The answer is it depends on which line. But in a technology world, oftentimes the conversation is going to begin with technology leadership, technology executives, the technical engineers. The conversation really centers around the fact that great technology is only great to an organization if it's creating an impact. And so we center around the discussion around it's amazing that we may have the strongest widget in the entire world for this particular solution. But if that doesn't create impact for the business, it's not really worth it from a conversation of what we're trying to accomplish. So really setting the business frame, understanding here's why it matters. And really one of the most powerful things I've found for technical individuals is helping them understand the data, helping them understand the business context, because often they're hungry for I'm running these systems, I'm using these servers, I'm doing these things, I'm writing this code, and I'm just creating production. And it's no different than somebody sitting in a bread factory, and all they're doing is they're making bread all day long, but they never walk out to the counter and see the customer rave about how well it tastes and how it's amazing. If you never see the impact with the business numbers and talk to the end customer, the technology team feels the same way. And so helping them understand the business context, why the numbers matter, sharing it, helping them see it, creates so much synergy around, okay, now we get it. Let's work together towards solving the problems for the business. That's really the conversation. From the executive side or from so the... I was going to say, yeah. before we go there, is that part of the challenge for these technical organizations 
as an example, sometimes a product or a capability is developed inside of a system that never delivers on its promise. And like your insight to this, because I'm not a technologist, it's, but my thought is that as a business community, we didn't really spend the time to make sure that people knew, but also too, we just let them go. And they're coming up with ideas, and some of these ideas are fantastic, but they need to be pulled into a particular vein to say, here's how we best use that. So your thoughts on maybe more of the how that happens and how to address it. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're pointing at the problem and the answer. And that is there's too much distance between the technology organization and the business from a context perspective. Maybe that's because there's too many layers or maybe it's because there's too many filters. One of the two is normally the problem, but either it's lost in translation because we've just got so many people talking through so many layers or the business is simply saying, well, technical teams don't need that. I don't have to share that information. Or on the inverse, the technical teams are looking at it going, well, the business, what they're telling me doesn't really make sense, so I'm going to do my own thing. So they're filtering the business context out. And that's normally where you run into those problems. And then you get features that are waste of time and money and investment that aren't utilized, or worse, that create problems. Because it's one of those things where if you've ever filled out a form online and you're like, why is that field required? Right? And it's like, it's, we put little things in it to say, I'm just trying to get past this requirement because I don't really need it. Those are the types of features you get into and they hinder processes, extra screens, extra steps, extra things that aren't necessary. And so that really happens because, again, too little context sharing between the two. They're managing two different worlds and it would make sense that two different worlds manage separately they just don't align, and that's where you're getting into it. It's not managed. IT is managing themselves as we are technology, not as we are part of the organization, right? Facilities doesn't look at themselves as I'm running a completely different organization and business, but technology often will, right? They'll look at themselves completely separately, and that's not a conversation of that makes them bad. That's simply a conversation of the contexts aren't shared. And so you have to bridge those contexts to bring them together and create innovation for the organization, not just innovation for innovation's sake. Yeah, that's a really important point. And I was just thinking of an actual example. We use an app to place order for our groceries, and we go pick it up. That app over the last few years has gone from working well to not working well to getting better to, again, not working well, and it's all about the user interface. There were some things like, this would be nice to have, and they've incorporated some of those things. But the question comes to bear, is it because the business doesn't understand the consumer, and if they do, are they articulating it well to, to the technical team for the development? And oftentimes in a situation like that, you get a pilot. You get a small team working on a very focused goal to say, we want to launch this app and we want to deliver these values to the consumer. And so they get really focused. And then you get the first iteration and it's, wow, this isn't perfect, but it works really good. Like it, it solves the problem, nails what we were after. And then as their success, a company will begin to say, wow, we need to do more of this. And so they'll invest more budget. That'll mean bigger teams. That'll mean more people involved. And then it'll get caught in the red tape of larger processes that come with organizing larger teams. And oftentimes, it will also mean that an organization, and this is a real danger when you scale a solution, the original context 
is not the current context. So what you were focused on solving for the customer up front will oftentimes just say, okay, we're just going to continue doing exactly the same thing, not understanding as you're scaling, you're adding features and functionality, you're disrupting that. You've got to go back and have that conversation over and over again with the consumer base to say, what is really happening and how can I make this better? And maybe sometimes mistakes get made. That happens. We added this feature. It was the wrong feature. It operates in the wrong way. Let's go fix it. And you don't hear that if you're still working off of context from step one. So I, I see that over and over again, exactly what you're describing. Something works, we scale it up, and we break it. So let's go back now to when you're in front of business and when you're in front of business people. Absolutely. So the conversation with business is often a conversation of not knowing what you don't know. So the discussion centers around all right, what are the business executives often understand what their business is trying to accomplish? They may not know their market, they may not be honed in exactly, but they kind of know how the organization runs, but they don't have an understanding of what technology could bring, how it could help improve, how it could help scale. And a lot of those conversations really center on do you have somebody in the technology organization, an executive or leadership, that you're regularly talking to? And it's amazing to me how many times the answer is, I mean, I get a status report on projects, but you're also, you're not creating the conversation, you're not creating the trust, you're not creating the shared context. So they then can't share that context with that technical team. And so from an overarching perspective with business executives, it really comes down to let's talk about your business, let's talk about partnering with technology as a key part of the organization. Let's talk about sharing context. Let's talk about bringing it together. And then really, let's back up and see how would we change and improve the business with technology. It's oftentimes technology and security as well. It's a separate vein, but same discussion. Executives oftentimes delegate that because it's scary or it's concerning or we don't understand it and so we'll just delegate it to somebody who speaks that arena and is an expert and we'll just be out of it but yet at the same time they wouldn't do the same thing for their finances they wouldn't do the same thing for their operations and you can't do the same thing with your logistics you have to truly as an executive team regardless of what hat you wear around the table whether you're the CFO, CTO, CEO, operating officer, whatever it may be it's a shared context. So we all have to know how our finances are doing. We all need to know where operations is performing and where our challenges are. We all need to be understanding the technology solutions we're bringing into our business and how it creates disruption, how it creates impact, change, benefit. One of the strongest scenarios I often put in front of a technology executive or a challenge is to say, tie every dollar on your budget to the business. Not just which checking account is coming out of, but tie it to the operations. These dollars affect the sales pipeline. These dollars affect the cost structure of delivering on those sales. These dollars affect supporting our office staff. Tie those dollars exactly back to the business so that it can speak in the executive's language of numbers, right? Here's how these dollars affect us. And then we can have a real conversation about where do we want to spend this million dollars of investment. Do we want to put it here and make it better for our office team? Are we going to try and improve our sales pipeline capabilities? And we put it all in context of the business. Again, we come back thematically over and over again to shared context, conversations, 
about driving a bridge between those two different parts of the organization. So that gets me thinking about, in as an example, we will find the CEOs of businesses are very astute in looking at their finances and looking at their operations. And as an example, their CFO, and I'll separate, there's a controller and there's a CFO. A controller of is how, Right, how do I make sure I stay compliant? So it's all about we're doing all the right things. And there's a CFO whose role really more is about how do I leverage our assets? What are we doing? How are we moving smartly through this? And then there's a difference between, a lack of better terms, typically a CTO and a CIO in the world I was in before was more of the CTO was really trying to figure out how to get all the things done. But the CIO was the person, like the CFO, was really focused on how do we leverage what we have and where do we need to be going to help the business going forward. That's that, that's that business integration role. Of course, I know the names change today, but that's more of where I came from. Is that yeah. kind of – it really is an equal element in the C-suite. Yes. It's really business-focused. Yes, there's a great illustration that I like to use in that conversation, and it's the performance pyramid. At least that's how it was introduced to me. But the discussion has to do, if you imagine a pyramid, at the base you have implementation. That's the broadest section typically of an organization. We have to deliver and do the work. Above that you have management, and I'm not talking about people management, but just management in general. This is where you're talking about timelines, delivery, budget dollars, that kind of thing. Above that, the third component of the pyramid is strategy and then the final capstone is vision and in any team it whatever it may be whether it be an operations function a technology function a finance function sales in any performing team you have to have all four represented to be able to not just execute today but for tomorrow as well vision with no implementation is just ideas but Implementation with no vision is chaos. So you have to have all four components in their proper places. And in an executive team, the same is true. You're speaking to the fact that there are different people who own different components, right? How do we leverage the broader while at the same time staying compliant, right? Compliancy falls more on that implementation management side than it does the vision and the strategy side. I'm not saying there's no strategy in how you manage, but what I'm saying is the primary function of the organization or of the role has to do with one of those four areas. And you'll often find people that are hybrid across two of them, vision and management or management and implementation. But what I found is with technology, it's the same thing. Your CIO is often going to be your vision, your strategy, your umbrella, that here's how we're trying to make sure we're handling this entire thing. Your CTO is going to be more focused on innovation, product delivery, that type of thing. And then your CISO absolutely should have strategic understanding of how we defend, but really that role lands almost squarely on active, engaged combat in the world of digital technology. And so it's really much more on the implementation and management, right? We're trying to make sure nobody gets in, and if they do, we know about it. And so you're covering all those bases, and that's why you're seeing a lot of those different ones. Sometimes you're seeing organizations start to introduce a digital officer that can be as a hybrid between a CIO and CTO, but normally it's focused on a dedicated executive to look at transformation as an owned seat at the boardroom table. And that's really more about empowering transformation and the buy-in. However, 
if you just put the seat at the table and they don't have budget and they don't have sway and they don't have impact and it's just a person to have a title, it's a waste of money. And I've seen organizations say, we have this high-level executive, but they're absolutely handcuffed. And when they say, hey, we need to do X, Y, and Z, there's no thought process or innovation around how we're going to get there. And it's just a ivory tower pontification. That's a waste of organizational resources. So really, the executive team, if the CEO is after the transformation and you have a powerful CIO or CTO sitting there, you almost don't need the digital officer at that point because you already have it with the executive team. All the skills are there. I think that's the key piece, right, is recognizing the skill sets versus the titles in the conversation. And I wanted to ask this because when I think about that, I see a lot of organizations who go right to planning. And it's really about improving what we're already doing versus losing sight of needing a vision. Some companies will have a vision, but it's something that was just written 10 years ago and it's it was meant to make people feel good, but it's not really a vision. Yeah, I like to look at it as this. A lot of the vision statements, when they stood on the stage and said, we're going to land a man on the moon, that's a vision. If they had said, we're just going to send somebody to space, what does that even mean, right? It would have been a very sort of wide open discussion, not to have a pun there, but the conversation of we have to be specific and know when we've succeeded truly and really what it means. And I think a lot of vision statements are just so wide open that we don't know if we win. And that's not just a problem at the executive level. In today's society with the generations that are coming into the workforce and have been for the last eight to 10 years, they want to know what the purpose and the organization is all about. And so if it's too esoteric, it's very difficult for them to connect to it and understand what's there. We want to be better. It, what does better mean? And so really having clear vision is extremely important for today's companies as they look 10 years down the road because the workforce is changing and they want to connect to something. Is that a combination of or... So maybe some of the factors are that it's hard for someone to understand for themselves, say the C-level, get clarity on where they need to be. And that is either driven by, I don't know where my marketplace is going, truly mm -hmm. no, I'm just following it, versus I just don't want to not include everything because I think everything's an opportunity. And that's one of the biggest challenges I see for companies, they think everything's an opportunity and therefore it is chasing all the rabbits. It is chasing all the rabbits and particularly when you're looking at someone who founded a company because a founder is an idea person and loves to... Entrepreneurs have a different calibration on their risk meter and so everything is perceived as exciting or an opportunity or let's go find this and chase the rabbits and so a vision will be cast as broad as possible to allow for that. But a vision is more about... It is as much about what it doesn't say and what it excludes as it is what it includes, right? And so landing a man on the moon is different than saying, it's very clear, Mars is not a target, right? Maybe in a different conversation, but for this conversation, we know exactly what it means to succeed. And I think an entrepreneur mind should surround themselves with people who are operationally focused, who can help say, let's tighten this up. Those conversations really about, let's get crystal clear for the organization and 
one of the biggest things that when I've talked to entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, Bob, the I like to say the COO, the operational mind, is the left hand, right hand of the CEO, the founder. Whatever they're really good at, they need to be able to contribute to, and whatever they're really bad at, go find somebody who is really good at it and put that left hand, right hand conversation together because that will help in this discussion. If the whole boardroom is idea people and you have nobody who really thinks about implementation, the business will zigzag all over everywhere because we're always starting something and never finishing it. And finding that true operations to help land that vision, land that mission, and be crisp is essential. It's important that they define all the criteria that role needs to be good at from the mm -hmm. standpoint. One of the primary, what's really most important, because sometimes I've seen, I need somebody that's really good with people because I'm not. That's only one facet of a good CO. And it is, in your word, implementation, I think is the really critical piece because that does take into place people, processes, systems, the things that need to happen. From just clarity of vision, I want to go back to that. It's just going to have a little bit longer. Because it is not only for the executive team, for the management team. I saw this with Procter & Gamble several years ago. I was, one of my associates worked closely with them and you know, what we saw, and I got to know some people who lived in my neighborhood who worked at Procter & Gamble when I lived in Cincinnati. And what we saw was that Procter & Gamble had these goals, very clear on what they wanted to do with each of their business units. They knew what the, their vision, they knew what their strategies were. But they broke it down, so each level of management had to break it down to say what their reports were, were responsible to achieve that goal. And how did that line, everything had to be lined back up to it. One of the people that I knew worked in plant management, or plant type plant maintenance. Mm -hmm. And so in plant maintenance, he knew what his role and how it impacted production, which impacted their ability to serve their distribution centers, which served their, their, their retailers, which served their consumers. He knew that value and how his responsibilities in doing things made a difference. And so raising his hand when something was going about to happen, they needed to protect what that was or coming up with ideas to just simply improve the operations and make things happen. Yeah, that transparency is so vital. There's three levels of clarity that I challenge every executive team with, and that is set your vision, your strategy, and make sure that every employee in the organization understands why the company exists. Connect them to the why of, that it exists. That's the first level of clarity. The second level of clarity is what, what is my team's contribution to that? And that's what you're speaking to. How does this warehouse, how does this team affect that company mission and what we're trying to do? And then the third level of clarity is every employee wants to be clear on what are my responsibilities and what am I being asked to do as a part of that, right? Of part of my team, as a part of that mission of my team, what is my clarity? And it's more than a job description. It's really about them truly understanding. There's clear ownership of how work is assigned and how processes are done and individual conversations with their leads, right? One of the discussions I've seen that works well for some of this is what you're describing. Clarity all the way down. You can use a number of different tools. One is an OPSP, so a one-page strategic plan. You say, here's the summary of what we're trying to do. It's not a big, long document. It's a summary. Here's what we're trying to do. Here's the clarity. And then let each level of leadership below that cascade their own plan that ties back to the higher level. 
that will help create that alignment in there as well. But those three levels of clarity have to exist for employees or they aren't engaged. We talk about quiet quitting and all of these. It's a it's an engagement problem because one of those three levels of clarity is missing. That's the linking piece between those levels. We need to have the conversation. Before we close up, anything you would like to share with anyone that you think is important for them to know about you, about what you do? Absolutely. As you said at the beginning, we work with technology and strategy, specifically with the C-suite. Our goal is to come in and connect the business and the technology, just as we've discussed over this call, and really look at how does technology not simply operate in the business, but truly create an impact that unlocks business. In today's world, the business future is dependent on the strategic direction of how you adopt technology over the next five to ten years. And we are excited. We work with both sides, business and technology, to bring both together. And we love having those conversations and creating an impact for organizations. Over and over again, we see cost savings. We see sales growth. We see, of course, the net of those, which is margin impact because you bring those two into alignment. And we love having those discussions and helping executives figure out how they get more ROI out of their technology investment. I greatly appreciate you having you on the call today. And I think that is the key word, unlock. It's unlock your potential, unlock the future, and unlock the individuals in your organization to be able to contribute more because you're really focused around helping everybody do better. Agreed. Nathaniel, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on today. And again, thank you. Thanks, Bob. I've enjoyed the conversation.